0: Very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. We are back to talk about the end of summer and Succession Season 2. But before we get into all that, let's introduce ourselves and answer the question, what is your favorite summer of pop culture? I'm
1: Sandra Omstetz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And I have a hard time remembering what pieces of pop culture actually came out during the summer. But I can say that I loved last summer. All we right. Had season one of Succession and Sharp Objects, which was like covering the T V front, and some really amazing summer movies like Mission Impossible, Eighth Grade, American Animals, Mamma Mia, some of my favorites of the year. So last summer was pretty killer.
0: Nice. I'm Lucas Radio, designer from Chicago and I think my favorite summer for pop culture was 2005 i just remember batman begins um and mr and mrs smith coming out that summer and just absolutely loving it um as well as for on the music front uh fallout boy dave matthews band coldplay motion city soundtrack all came out with like my favorite albums of theirs that summer so that's mostly what i was doing in the summer of 2005
1: <laughs> very nice
0: um, well, before we start talking about what else happened this summer, let's talk about what we're feeling this week. Sandra, what are you feeling this week?
1: So I'm feeling a new series that I watched on Hulu called This Way Up. Have you heard about this, Lucas?
0: Yes. This is the Irish series, right? Yes.
1: Well, I mean, it stars an Irish uh, Irish leads, but it's set in London, I believe.
0: Uh, okay. Yeah. Got it.
1: Uh, have you watched it?
0: I haven't. I've seen the trailer for okay. it.
1: Okay. So... This way up is a really perfect short little series to fill to fill that um, flea bag hole in our hearts right now. Now that flea bag is over and you've probably watched it several times, this way up is something that you can check out. Um, check out. It's a similar to flea bag. It is a six episode season with thirty minute episodes. And it's about a, you know, late 20-something, early-something woman who is having a tough time in life and her older sister who's helping her get through it. So um, I think the the vibe of the show has a lot of similarities. Don't expect the same level of genius that Phoebe Waller-Bridge brings to Fleabag, but um, expect uh, to fill that British, dry... Um, naughty sense of humor that um, you you know and love. It the the premise of the show is the main character is someone who in the very first episode is checking out of rehab because she had a mental breakdown, not necessarily an addiction issue, but just some sort of like mental break, and she needed to go away for a while. So this season begins with her coming back into the world and readjusting to, um, you know being back in public and dealing with a sister who is incredibly worried about her. Unlike in Fleabag, where the sisters have sort of a begrudging affection for each other and sort of an animosity, in this way up, the sisters have probably way too much of a reliance on each other. They call each other constantly. They spend a lot of time together. (laughs) um, And that affection is um, really fun to watch. And it also just like Reminds me of my dynamic with so many different women, and uh, I really, really appreciated the way that they capture that overreliance, but also what a beautiful thing that that can be when you're that close with someone. Um, yeah, and I just found this show incredibly charming. I don't know if it's going to get a second season. Um, I don't. I don't hear a ton of people talking about it, but um, I think it's a little a charming piece of TV, and it has um, some cameos. From people that you've probably seen before, uh, there's the, the the leads are. Let's see, what are their names? I know Sharon
0: Hogan. Yes, is Sharon one of
1: Hogan them. <laughs> is plays the older sister. Aisling B is the star, um, and there's a little cameo from Chris Gear from You're the Worst. Um, nice. Yeah, and so it's just clever and a little bit wicked and mostly very funny.
0: Is it? Okay, so it's six thirty-minute episodes, but is it intended to be like a big um, thing or like?
1: I would say the season makes it seem like they are hoping for a season two. Got it. Okay. Cool. Yeah, but that's. Well, I just, hope they get it. That would be my interpretation. I, I don't know any good gossip. Yeah,
0: it it looks like a good show, but I haven't I haven't checked it out yet. But yeah. maybe I will. It's on Hulu, right?
1: Yes, on Hulu. Cool. Go watch it. What are you feeling this week, Lucas?
0: I am feeling a new movie called Parasite. This is Bong Joon-ho's newest movie. Um, if You might know him from his last two movies were um, Okja, um, which premiered on Netflix, and then Snowpiercer. Um, I loved both of those movies. This movie is incredible. It's insane. Um, it is about a family in South Korea, an unemployed family in South Korea who gets themselves attached to a very rich family. Um, and a lot of it is just about the like what that class difference looks like and um, kind of how bad (laughs) Um, it is when you have kind of that system in place and how um, it's very difficult to move up and how you basically have to push other people down to move up in the world. And it's such a good movie. It's absolutely great performances. Um, It's very tense, but it also is very, very funny. Um, I love all of Bong Joon-ho's movies that I've seen. Um, But this one, I think, for me, is absolutely the best. It's the most, I think, uh, intentional of all of them. So I would check it out. It comes out October 11th. I would definitely watch this movie.
1: I'm so jealous that you've already gotten a chance to see it because this is one of my most anticipated movies of the year. Um, It has had such rave reviews out of the festivals it's been at. And... um, yeah, I, I really think that this has a top has a chance of being one of the best movies of the year for me. Um so I the trailer I think is really riveting. I'm oh yeah, such a good trailer. So excited to see this movie. It's
0: one of those trailers that gets you in the mood for the film without telling you really much about the film itself. Exactly. Um which I absolutely love. So, yeah. have you have you seen his other movies?
1: I've seen Snowpiercer. Um okay. I didn't see Okja. Yeah,
0: I cannot wait to talk more about this movie. Me too. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move into the section of in and out where we talk about um, some new trailers that came out and tell whether we're in or out on them. What is it?
1: You're either in or you're
0: out. Right now. Starting off, The Aeronauts. Have you seen this trailer? I have. Okay. Eddie Redmayne and Felicity Jones. Uh, fly a balloon. <laughs> Um, I did not like this this looks terrible it just seemed like one of the most boring movies that I've that I've seen recently
1: here's the thing even if it looked well done I don't really love survival movies um, oh yeah, yeah. Th- it, that's just really not my thing um, and I don't like it in any situation I don't like it when it's dealing with snow or the sky or the, <laughs> the sea or the desert or like any any landscape I'm just not a fan of People just trying to survive, you know, trying to survive the elements. Um,
0: The one thing I will say about it is most of those survival movies are like one person trying to do it by themselves. And so for me, it's much more interesting if you throw another person in there, but not enough to make me actually want to see it.
1: Yeah. Um, I will. I do appreciate the comedy that this trailer produced on Twitter with the line, (laughs) women don't belong in balloons. (laughs)
0: Oh yeah, yeah. This is this seems very uh very tacky yeah. of a movie overall. So.
1: This is the kind of movie that like when I used to not like period pieces, it was because of movies like this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I can definitely see that. If these are the types of movies you're seeing, then yeah, right. period pieces are out.
1: Yeah, nothing about this movie looks appealing. Yeah. I was I would much prefer a movie about the two of them in a hot air balloon that was much more, like, whimsical, you know?
0: Still a period piece, but more whimsical as opposed to survival. Yeah,
1: totally. (laughs) The survival of it all is just so boring to me.
0: All right. Well, speaking of other period pieces, um, a new Netflix movie is coming out in November called The King. This is about the crowning of King Henry V um, after his father dies, and King Henry V is played by Timothy Chalamet. This is directed by David McCote, who directed like The Rover and uh, he directed War Machine which came out last year mm-hmm. I think um, on Netflix. Not a, not not a bunch of big movies. But uh, Timothy Chalamet, Robert Patterson, Ben Mendelsohn, Joel Edgerton, Sean Harris, lots of good cast. So what do you think?
1: So this is one of those movies that I would almost never watch except <laughs> this has Timothy Chalamet in it. As your boy. Yeah. So I'm conflicted. It's it looks it seems to be a movie about war and men yes. and accents and um, again normally just not my cup of tea but I I do think it looks good you know what I mean whether it might it might not be a movie I would generally watch but I do think it looks very good and I think Timothy Chalamet is always great and so there's a chance that if like it has the right amount of buzz and enough people are talking about it that I would turn this on what about you
0: see these movies are usually my cup of tea. But I feel exhausted by them right now. Like, mm-hmm. last year, Outlaw King came out. And I was very excited about it. And I just kept putting it off and off until I have I still haven't seen I've Outlaw King. I've heard that King.
1: Outlaw King is very good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just haven't gotten around to it because I'm never in the mood for that kind of thing now. Yeah. But I'm not sure how I feel. I, f- I kind of feel the same way about The King as I did about Outlaw King, where I'm really excited for it. This cast is amazing. Can't wait. Who knows if I'll actually ever see it. Sure. So I would say I'm in on it. but. Okay. We'll see when. All right, next up, we've got, um, this is one of my most anticipated movies of the year, The Laundromat, directed by Steven Soderbergh, starring Meryl Streep, Gary Oldman, um, and T- Antonio Banderas. This is about the Panama Papers. Do you do you know much about this movie or have seen the trailer for this?
1: I've seen the trailer. I don't know much about the Panama Papers. Um, okay. So I, I, I don't know much about that, but I have seen this trailer. And let me tell you, I am out on this trailer. What? Yeah. I don't think why the, I don't think the trailer looks very good. I haven't heard great buzz about this movie, and then also I'm very out on Gary Oldman.
0: Oh yeah, that's true.
1: This trailer to me looks like it's trying to be The Big Short, but I don't think it has the charisma of The Big Short.
0: I I th- I can see where you're coming from from that trailer. Um, I think I'm excited about this movie. I think Steven Soderbergh is trying new things all the time, so I'm curious to see what he does with this. Um, Meryl Streep. All the way, hundred percent. This is just like her doing the post, except about the Pam, the Panama Papers sure. this time. So, um, <laughs> so we'll, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But I'm definitely in on this movie.
1: I will say, if Gary Oldman wasn't in this movie, I would be like, well, it doesn't look great, but I, I love Steven Soderbergh, so I will I, I would still check it out. But mm-hmm. the Gary Oldman of it all, um, makes me at,
0: got out it, got for it. Good. Well, he can't win them all. No. <laughs> It's been a long summer I think we've <laughs> we've had a lot of movies a lot of movies that didn't do well in the box office um, I think we've had very few albums come out this summer overall um, you can correct me on that if you're if I'm wrong but it might just be the artist that I'm into not a lot has happened um, How do you feel about the summer?
1: So yeah I feel a little like, worn and weary about this summer. <laughs> um, yeah. And that might be the heat talking. I, I don't... <laughs> I know for, for me particularly, this has been the most brutal summer when it comes to heat. And so... Oof. um I, I'm sure that that is affecting my mood regarding everything. Um, but yeah, I... I I've I seen... I, I didn't see as many movies this summer as I did in previous years. But I feel like everything I went to see only one movie has blown me away this summer. I've seen a few that are good. I've seen a lot that were just okay. And that's kind of a bummer. You know, I, that's not what I uh, am hoping for when I take time to go to the movie theater. Um, And then, again, I feel like the same thing has happened with TV. You know, Succession has just recently started, and we're going to talk about that. But it hasn't been happening throughout the majority of the summer. And I will say with music, that's probably where I've had the most fun. There haven't been any big albums other than here towards the end. I've been obsessed with the new Taylor Swift album. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. But there's been a lot of fun singles, and singles that either came out this summer or have just become hits this summer. You know, like, a lot of the Lizzo stuff. It didn't come out this summer, but I feel like Lizzo's having a great summer. And I hear her everywhere. I'm, I'm listening to her. She's, like, really popping off. Um, plus, the Lil Nas X, Old Town Road of it all, I've been having fun with it. and um, <laughs> Have you? I think that's been a bright spot this summer, yeah.
0: I can't stand that song uh, at all in any you of its don't iterations. Have any but joy in your heart? I, <laughs> that's, that's definitely what it is. <laughs> now, I do love Taylor Swift's album. That album I absolutely love and have listened to over and over again. Um, I feel like there are very few artists that I'll just go back and put an album on repeat just to hear it again, mm-hmm. even if I didn't absolutely love it the first time through, which I don't think I did. The first time through, I was just like, all right, this is fine. Um, but I listened to it a couple more times and man, it is solid. This might be her second best album. I think it um, is. After 1989. Same.
1: I'm right there with you. When people keep talking about Red as if Red is her masterpiece, I think that's so strange.
0: (laughs) It's very strange.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, Red is fine. Red is like, there are great songs on Red, but it is by no means a masterpiece of an album. Whereas I think 1989 is like, just a completely solid piece of work. And this, this is a close second. Like, I, I think they're doing different things, so it's hard to compare the two. But um, I really, really love this album. I think there are two songs that don't belong on the album the singles, um, mm. the poppy singles that she creates, mostly, I believe, for commercials and not so much yeah. for them to be actual music. Um, and then.
0: And mostly with Jack Antonoff.
1: <laughs> no, those two aren't Jack Antonoff songs. Are they not? No.
0: Oh, I'm Not interested who's, who those are.
1: Yeah. Those don't sound like Jack Antonoff at all. And then there are a couple songs in this album that I think, other than those two, are weak in terms of songwriting, but they're still fun and catchy. So I don't mind yeah. them so much. Um, like, I Forgot That You Existed and London Boy. Um, yeah. Those are both a little embarrassing. Taylor Swift has a habit of like, <laughs> like, oh, girl, this is embarrassing. And I don't think you realize yeah. that. Um yeah. But they're still fun. Like, I still listen to them. And then every other song on this album, I adore. I think are just, like, beautiful pieces of songwriting.
0: Yeah. I have so few albums that I'll just listen to all the way through. Yeah. Um, without skipping. And these, even the ones that I don't like, I'm still listening to them because I like the flow of it. Right. Um, it all fits together really well. It really um, does. So, yeah. I am very impressed by this album.
1: Yeah. And like I said, I've been into the, the Old Town Road um like wave that's been happening. I, <laughs> a part of the charm of that is following little Lil Nas X on Twitter because he is incredibly good at Twitter.
0: Yeah I don't follow him on Twitter so maybe that's what I'm missing.
1: You maybe should check him out. He's like truly he really understands the humor of Twitter and how to be real on it and not like a pop star trying to seem cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um like he's like of our generation and of our culture. Um, he just happens to also have the best song in the country or the number one song in the country. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so that's really a, a, a fun blend and yeah. And then like I said earlier, Lizzo, um, Lizzo performing at award ceremonies, Lizzo's outfits on red carpets, Lizzo's songs. I feel like, um, have been all over Twitter and have been on the radio and have, um, I just, I feel like I hear them everywhere I go. Um, and so I'm, I'm loving, I feel so much pride whenever Lizzo is succeeding as someone who I feel like was on her early, because that is usually not the case for me when it comes to music. <laughs> like I'm, I know movies, but when it yeah. comes to music, I'm never the person that's like, oh, this yeah. person's about to blow up. And yeah. Lizzo is the one time I can be like that. I caught it.
0: It's true. Yeah. You did. So, yeah. You talked about her on the podcast like a couple of years ago.
1: Definitely. Yeah back when the song I cared about was where the hell hell's my phone. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, plus she performed, um, at national pride several years ago. And so like, I got to oh, see nice. a free Lizzo concert, you know, way before she Great. hit, it was cool. And she's just rad. So musically this summer has been fun. Um, TV wise, I I can't come up with anything that has been fun for during the summer.
0: Yeah, I think Succession is the literally the only thing that I've enjoyed on summer TV. Yeah, um, when did most of my come time out? has not been spent. Uh, I feel like that came out. Yeah, it earlier. was before the summer, Pearl, something like that. Yeah,
1: it, yeah. it was kind of close. You know, like the conversation yeah. was definitely spilling into the summer. But I didn't. Yeah, watch if you want to throw it in, um, we'll throw.
0: It, we can throw in. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I then. I
1: don't I don't really feel like it's a summer show though. Um. I think it's Big not. Little Lies was disappointing, yep. and that was the summer this show. This true.
0: This happens every time when we talk about a show on the podcast that's not over yet, when the season's not complete, it all falls apart. So I'm very nervous to talk about Succession in a little bit. I but mean, I'm not. I can get over it. I <laughs>
1: wasn't feeling Big Little Lies when we talked about it. Um, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I, it was disappointing. I still, like, I think I still enjoyed watching parts of it. You know what I mean? You can't watch oh, yeah. all those actresses and not, get something from that but i think overall
0: uh, oh. i think the storytelling is what is what absolutely wasn't great but all the performances all of the like the drama that was very fun to watch right
1: right right there with you um yeah. And, and then like, let's talk about movies. So do you have yes. a favorite movie of the summer, Lucas?
0: I don't know if I have a favorite movie. Of the, I, I Okay, I take that back. I definitely have a favorite movie of the summer. I just don't know why it's my favorite. Okay. Uh, because I felt like like coming into the summer, it wasn't a movie that I was like, yes, this will be it. I think I just had higher expectations for a lot of other movies this summer. Sure. Um, but The Farewell is definitely my favorite movie of the summer. Yeah. Um, I think I think that movie is really amazing, but it just wasn't very high on my list to watch. By you?
1: Um, I think you're right that The Farewell is really incredible. Um, it, my favorite movie of the summer is easily Booksmart. Just Booksmart is my favorite mm, movie yeah. of the year so far. It's the one, it's my only five star movie on letterbox so far this year five
0: stars wow yeah
1: i mean i think it's a great it's perfect to me i love that movie everything else has been i there's been a few that i think are very good the farewell falls into that category um i think blinded by the light is very good wild rose with jesse buckley um the movie is just called wild rose jesse buckley is the star i should say. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um I really liked Rocket Man. Rocket Man I had a great time with. Yeah. So there are movies that I enjoyed, but then yeah. there's a lot that are just okay. Movies that I should oh, have. Oh, so liked many a lot just more. okay's. You know, I had And
0: a more that are bad, which I'm actually surprised by. Right.
1: Um I feel like I avoided a lot of the bad other than like the Lion King.
0: Um I, I would say my standouts are in in addition to the farewell, are Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um I still need and to see that. Booksmart um, I, I really enjoyed it. I don't love Tarantino. And there are obviously things in this movie that I didn't love. But just as a storytelling experience, I think he does a really good job of giving you exactly what he intends to give you. And so you go on his journey. And I think he does an excellent job of this. Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt are amazing. It's so fun to watch um, for the parts that I really like. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Booksmart, obviously, is definitely a standout. I didn't think... The first time I watched it, I was like, this isn't a great movie. It's like a good like movie as far as like how well it's made. Um, but the more times that I've watched it, it's definitely my most watched movie of the summer because the more times I watched it, the more I fell in love with it. And I still don't think it's like a great movie, but it's one that – it's probably the one that I've, like, championed the most that I've told, like, absolutely everybody to go see. Sure. Uh, just because I think that the experience of watching it, um, everybody needs that. Like, it's something that everybody should absolutely see. It's – it's I love that experience level.
1: Yeah. So. You know, a movie that I feel kind of the way you do about Booksmart, um, I just saw last night, Ready or Not. Oh, yeah. And, you know the... – <sighs> You and I, Lucas, have like our issues with horror films. We we tend to I have avoid so many them. questions. Yeah, yeah. And Ready or Not was one that when I first saw the trailer, I thought, "Wow, that looks like a great movie." But I don't know if I could handle it. You know.
0: Yeah. Um. I I always say this: horror movies. You know, I'm interested in a horror movie when I go and just read the Wikipedia of the plot. Right. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Um, But the buzz about this movie was so good that I really thought, like, I don't want to miss out on this. It Mm -hmm. looks like a fun kind of horror movie, you know, versus, like, truly just terrifying. Like, I'll never watch an Ari Aster movie. Just, like, you couldn't (laughs) get me to do it, even though people love them. But this is the kind of movie where if the buzz is good enough, I can, uh, uh, you know, make an attempt to see it. And I saw it last night. I think it's a blast of a movie. Lucas, I think you could easily watch it. Um
0: Is it super gory though?
1: Not really. Like there there's okay. one scene that I couldn't watch. But it's um but you know it's coming and you and you know exactly what's going to happen during that scene. Mm-hmm. Like there's you just know what's what's about to yeah. happen. So you just close your eyes for that, those two <laughs> seconds, and then the thing happens, and then you move on with your life, you know? Um, it, definitely not scarring in any way. Um, yeah. There's a lot of, I would say there's a lot of blood, but it's not gory in, like, a torturous way. It's almost right. gory in a comical way. I think it's one of those movies that... It's not amazing, but it's such a good time, and I think you'll want to know all the references to it, Um, especially, like, the visual references that it has. Um, Yeah. The wedding dress that she wears is its own character in the movie. I think it's an iconic... It's going to be an iconic costume.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, fine. I might have to watch this on my phone in the daytime. Sure.
1: (laughs) I will say um, Adam Brody is, like... I think, the best part of the whole movie. And... I can never resist good Adam Brody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. He
1: he kind of falls out of our public consciousness sometimes in ways that he shouldn't because he's so good. Um, yeah. and I feel like you're right. He's back in the bu- in the business. Yeah.
0: Anytime he shows up, it doesn't matter what it is or how good the thing is. I'm just like, "Yes, Adam Brody. Uh, I'm interested now." <laughs> yeah.
1: There are so many movies that like he's the star of that there are these like small movies that didn't get a lot of attention oh, that man. I adore And I wonder, like, would I like this movie as much if it was not Adam Brody? Yeah.
0: In the early 2000s, there were so many just terrible movies with him in it that I watched just because he was in it.
1: I mean, I maintain that In the Land of Women is a great film.
0: I haven't revisited that since I watched it the first time, but it definitely blew my mind the first time. (laughs) So I have to rewatch it. It did do that.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh, Have you ever seen this really, really small movie? I saw it at a film festival and, you know, that's about it but called Some Girls that he's in.
0: I haven't seen it, but I have seen the trailer and know exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I think it's interesting. I like that. I wouldn't say it's great, but yeah. I think that movie is good because it feels like a play, and I love movies that feel like plays. It's worth. I would say it's worth watching and checking out. All right. Can we talk about movies we were super excited for that sadly, oh, like, yes. missed the mark? I would say the biggest one of those is Yesterday. I think Yesterday isn't bad, but it didn't, like... Leave Me Flying High, the way a movie um, from, what's his name? Um, what is the writer's uh,
0: name? Richard Curtis. Oh
1: Yes, the way a Richard Curtis movie usually should.
0: Uh, for me, Rocket Man did miss the mark for me. Hmm. I just think that movie could have been so great. Um, but I would also say Fast and Furious. I still liked Fast and Furious, but I just... I keep saying just Fast and Furious. It's Hobbs and Shaw. Yes. Presented by Fast and Furious. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just think that movie also just it had so much potential, and I still enjoyed it a lot. But it just could have been so much better. Yeah.
1: Um, I think there were like three rom-com slash female comedies that came out. That I guess, like I said, I don't think any of them were bad, but. I All of them could have been my favorite movies of the year, and none of them mm. reached that level. So there was um, Someone Great on Netflix, uh, Always Be My Maybe on Netflix, and yep. um, Late Night. Oh, yeah. And all three yeah. of those are just kind of like, oh, I mean, I'm not mad that I watched this, but nothing really grabbed yeah. me about it.
0: I feel like I had a lot of hype for movies that... Like when they were coming out, and then I didn't ever see them because I heard they weren't good. Oh
1: yeah, like which one? So which is
0: well, like Blinded by the Light was one that I was really excited about, but just haven't seen it yet. So that's not necessarily like yeah, but yesterday definitely that was one that I was like I didn't see yesterday. I was like I definitely want to see this. I'm definitely going to see it. It's right up my alley. And then I haven't seen it because people haven't said it's good. Right. And. I don't have time for I don't have time for that.
1: Yeah, there are movies I'm looking at a list right now. Movies I haven't seen yet that I was planning on seeing, like Stuber, uh, The Kitchen. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Um, Godzilla for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know not for you, but.
1: Um. What else? I mean, I wasn't really interested in Men in Black, but I definitely wasn't going to go see Men in Black after the reviews it got.
0: Yeah. I never. I was. Ed- I was very interested in Men in Black. I
1: never ended up seeing Aladdin.
0: Um, and then where'd you go, Bert- Bernadette? I was excited about until people said it wasn't good. So sure, <laughs> but yeah, just a lot of a uh, lot of lot of depression going on on uh, yeah. <laughs> on film Twitter this Even this summer. Even a movie so. that
1: I thought looked good and also was gonna make tons of money, um, like Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Yeah, and I man, did I not like that movie?
0: <laughs> it was not good. But yeah, I I also thought it would make more money. Also, I'm mean, like. Godzilla, I thought, would make more money. Uh, Detective Pikachu, I think I'm surprised. I'm not surprised by how much um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood made. I just didn't think it would be that high on the list of box office summers because everything else did poorly.
1: Yeah. Well, we can we both say about how shocked we are about how, how much money John Wick 3 made?
0: Oh, yeah. That is... That is true. but That's also a movie that I haven't seen. That I think I would be. happy You about haven't
1: seen in, John Wick three.
0: I still haven't seen John Wick three. Lucas, no.
1: what are you doing?
0: I know this has been a summer of just. I'm going to stay home and watch movies that I that I have. Yeah. That I have, like old movies that I haven't seen yet. I up say what John Wick three on. is
1: one of the the other highlights of the summer for me. Yeah. It's definitely good.
0: Good. I'm definitely going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Do we want to move on and talk about something that we are loving this summer?
0: Yes. Let's talk Succession. We are in season two of Succession. Um, We talked about Succession last year um, and how great it was. So if you're interested in hearing about season one, definitely go back and listen to that episode. Um, This year coming back, I'm always wary of a season two of a show that was really, really great Mm -hmm. um, just because it rarely ever lives up to the expectations. But this is a show that I think exceeded it for sure. Um, I absolutely love this season. I love what everybody's doing. I love kind of the weird... Um, machinations everybody <laughs> is up to in this show. Um, who is your is your standout?
1: Man, it's really hard to say. Um, this season, it's Kendall. Um, I, I, or I would say, as a performance, Jer- yeah, Jeremy Strong is per- like just I'm, I'm blown away every moment he's on screen. I love what he's giving us as a performance. I really find I'm fascinated by the relationship he has with his father this season, the dynamic between Logan and, and Kendall. Um, that's the most riveting piece of the show for me this season. Um, but that's a hard thing to answer because I really do think that everyone is firing on all cylinders. It's, it's been in ag- this season. I feel like every episode is better than the, the last, like I agree. it gets better every single week.
0: Yeah, I think, I think Jeremy Strong, obviously, I think is giving the best performance as just like a completely torn down human being. Um, I think one of the most interesting characters for me is Jerry, um, totally. the lawyer. Um, I absolutely love everything that she does on this show. And it's so weird, like in just little minute ways that you're just like, she is one of the most interesting characters I've seen in a long time.
1: Yeah, Jerry's fascinating because she's probably – The smartest person in the room, like maybe even smarter than Logan. Um, She can she's the fixer. She fixes things that go wrong that the that the Roy family fucks up Um, and she is smart, both business and in the business um but and socially smart which that's kind of the th- the problem with these characters is usually they're one mm-hmm. or the other you know they understand business but they can't understand the the social graces that are required to move up the ladder um but Jerry's on like excelling in both levels and she always knows when to put her no- nose in, and when to step back.
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sure what they're doing with her. I feel like most of these characters, you can see kind of an arc that they're going with this season. With her, I have no idea, and I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm also really loving Tom this season. Um, oh, yeah. Tom is just like... I, I do think he's the funniest character on the show, and... I think he he says the funniest things because he's just riding the line between being as awful and uncaring as the Roy's, but also, uh, he he comes from the Midwest and sometimes he can't help himself <laughs> but like be shocked at things. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like this this most recent episode that we had this week is a perfect example of that, where he is fine to just like. Make excuses and for this, you know, likely fascist news anchor that is on his network. He's just kind of like, oh, that's people like him. It's he's it's probably fine, even though his wife is concerned. Um, Yeah. But then once he starts actually interviewing the guy, and it's so clear how many Nazi ties this guy actually has, you know, he (laughs) is dumbfounded and concerned
0: and yes <laughs>
1: it's those moments where um the Midwest and him comes out that I think are are very fun um he has you know several moments like that in the week before the episode um where they go to the hunting lodge and uh-huh. or the hunting castle whatever it, whatever you would call it and when boar on the floor starts happening and and we realize just how like maniacal logan has become and he explains the rules he goes last one to catch the sausage is the mole and tom goes well i don't know if that's the best system for (laughs) (laughs) moments like that where you see that he does still have a a, a little bit of sense about him amongst all the buffoonery and the lack of morals
0: (laughs) and he's the only one that has i think like a i guess like a a relationship that you kind of are rooting for. I feel like everybody else's relationships, you're rooting for them to fail. But his relationship with Greg, um, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm sad about his relationship with Shiv. It's a weird relationship, but I specifically with Greg, that is something that I'm like, I feel the. I feel the pain of it falling apart. Yeah, you know when it does. Yeah. So I think I think that's what's interesting because you you aren't rooting for any of these characters, um, but that is just one relationship tie that I'm like, oh man, that's gonna. <laughs> you know,
1: I became very invested in Tom and Shiv um, in the finale of last season. I think before the finale, it's very clear that like he's this ladder climbing guy who will who bows down to his wife because she's part of the rich family and he's a, a suck up and all those things. And then in the final episode of last season, they have this like very awake moment where Shiv admits the affair. She says that she needs an open relationship, but then they both, and he seems like really shocked by all of this, but also like they kind of admit like we do love each other. And I, and that felt very real to me. Um, he, he kind of has this moment with her where he's like, we don't have to do this, you know? Like, mm-hmm. we don't, like, I'm giving you a chance to cut and run here, and I'm here because I actually love you. And and, and she kind of feels the same way, and they, and they, they like, come together in this really beautiful moment, even though it's, like, kind of fucked up and flawed. Um, and so this season, I have found their relationship so interesting, because... Before in season one, Shiv obviously kind of has like a little bit of disdain for him because he's not as smart as her and he's a little bit desperate. But I feel like she always was good at like trying to make him feel good and keep and be polite about it. Um, whereas this season, the cracks are starting to show, and now that they're officially married, you can see she's being a little bit more vocal about. The things that he says that annoys her, or you know, the way that she actually views him as a tool for her to use. Um, and so seeing that sh- shift in the relationship, I think is very interesting. But at the same time, like there are still these tender moments between the two of them where you really do feel like, they do view each other as a team, and they do love and care about each other. I don't think that this is purely a marriage of convenience for both of them. No. Um. And so, a a a relationship that is that nuanced, I love watching because it would be boring if they were just constantly using each other and they didn't, you know, and there was no actual emotions tied in. Um, right. But because right. there there is real love there that is hanging in the balance of all their machin machinations. Um, that's like what's gonna happen, you know. Oh boy.
0: Um, let's see, what else? Any other relationships? Oh, I, I have loved Willa this season. Yeah. Um, kind of how they've brought her her into this show more. Um, as uh as Connor has moved to to New York to try to run for president. Right. Which I'm terrified he's actually going to get. Sure. Um <laughs> but just how she kind of fits in here and how like how Connor's like really happy that she's like becoming part of the family yeah. <laughs> in this dumb way. And she's just kind of upset that she has to deal with all of this. But uh, she's an interesting character. But she but she like embraces it. Like she's, she's, she's good doing at it. You know? Yeah. She yeah.
1: knows what she's doing. Like Willa is not smart in the same way Shiv's, Shiv is. She's not like educated and, and politically minded. But she is smarter than a lot of the Roys in that she kind of like sees what's going on. Um, uh, she's definitely smarter than Connor, at least.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Overall, this show, like the writing on this show, is so good. And honestly, most of the things that I think are hilarious about it are the insults. Everyone is constantly just insulting each other. Yeah. And I'm shocked that you can get as creative as they have with all the insults that have, that have been thrown out sure. there. Sure. Um. How? What? Would do you do you have favorite quotes from either this season or the show as a whole? Yeah. In general? They're
1: not insults, but they are favorite quotes. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Um, See, most of mine are insults. (laughs) I have
1: about five that have, like, really stood out to me.
0: Um, From this specific season or or just the show overall? No,
1: from this specific season. Okay. From season two. The four episodes we have of season two so far. Um, So from episode two, I really, which might be my favorite quote of the season so far, was um, a quote from Kendall at a party that he made Greg throw. Um, he said, "I'm looking for pussy like a fucking techno Gatsby." <laughs> really got me. And uh. and one of the reasons I like that quote so much, one, I think it lyrically it's just great. But <laughs> also, one of my favorite quote from season one is a Kendall quote because it made me laugh so hard. It was at during the Prague episode where they're at this kind of like underground party, um, and Roman is talking about all the different types of like sex stuff you can. Um, go after at this party. And Kendall, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, says, business is my fucking. And <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. Like, this guy that's so self-serious that for him, like, the, the, the thrill of hunting down a deal is way more exciting than sex could be. Um, yeah. And that's who he was in season one. You know, so determined. And so I really liked... Kind of the parallel of that in this season um, of him actually kind of like devolving into the kind of guy that looks for sex at parties um, instead of trying to hunt for power. Um, So that's my favorite of the season.
0: (laughs) I think it's interesting um, and it was actually brought up in this most last episode is like all of their like. Insults and, um, not even just the insults, but like all of their analogies yeah. are all like sex related. Oh yeah. Um, all, all, and, and very, Oh, always Roman, but everyone else, it's always about like, um, there, and, and like Holly Hunter had a kind of quote about it, uh, feeling a bit rapey, like all, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cause I, I think when they were, they were having the discussion about how they can take over, over Pierce. And, and she said, I think I find it telling that even your best, uh, what is it? Your, your best option. Yeah. Your, yeah. Your best pitch sounds a bit rapey. Yeah. Like that, just just that that is kind of their mindset of with power that it's power and sex are tied together. So it's constantly this loop of, of kind of, you know, writing those two back to back, which is such an interesting <laughs> concept and is also a huge turnoff for these people. It is. <laughs> like,
1: what also is so interesting is this show is not very sexual in that, like, we don't, no. there's not a lot of sex scenes in the show. In fact, I can only think of one that we've ever gotten, um, and that's between Kendall and his ex-wife um, in season oh, one. Oh, yeah. That's right. Other than that, there there's not a lot of sex in the show. And I kind of get the sense, other than, like, well, we can get into the Roman stuff in a minute. Yeah. But <laughs> other than the Roman stuff, like, none of these people seem incredibly actually sexual, you know? they
0: No. Yeah.
1: Like, they don't seem to be people that, like, relish sex or have it a lot. Um you know, well,
0: it seems like sex is all about power for them. But, like that—that that is truly even say what it is. That so so
1: much. I would say like like we look at the characters. You know, Shiv and um and Tom, they probably have sex, but it doesn't seem to be that exciting of a sex life. Um, Shiv seems to go find pleasure just for pleasure's sake, but not necessarily for power's sake. You know, she's not having sex with people to gain anything other than a good time. Um, and then, and and the same goes for Tom. That one time he tries to like score a blowjob at that party. <laughs> um, and then Roman has his own thing. Um, Logan is like an eighty year old man, so I can't imagine
0: yeah. what his
1: sex life is like at this mo- moment. Um, speaking of, we have not seen a lot of Marsha this season. We haven't. Um, and I miss her. Um, and then and then Kendall is I think too. Um, Worked up in all of his own issues to truly be having an enjoyable or or active sex life, it seems. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, truly the only person... I feel like the only relationship where sex really is about power, like actual sex, is with Willa and Connor. Like, that is exactly what that relationship is. is. She has yeah, sex with true. him... For the power it it, it gives her, and only for that reason, really. Um, And and, and so, yeah, so these people, like, they they know that sex is about power, like, conceptually, but they don't really (laughs) actually, like, I don't think put that into practice in real sex, Um, which I just find very interesting, that, like, the most powerful, rich people in the world, like they're pro they're not really having as much fun as I think we ought that th- they yeah. ought to be. Uh, that
0: that I do think is one of the things that draws me to the show because like the concept of a bunch of rich people in power um is not a fun show. Like just it's just it sounds very boring and very I don't know off-putting but the fact that none of these people are enjoying their lives and none of them are having any fun yeah. even though the whole time they're acting like this is the best specifically tom i think tom does the greatest job of like showing off like i love this right. this is great right um, well while, while not having any well, fun because at all. He i think that's a huge job
1: you know he's made the jump yeah
0: and i'm interested to see where that kind of ha- if that comes up with um with Roy because it, throughout this season specifically you've seen Roy kind of upset at his kids for like not knowing the price of milk oh, and like Logan. not just be or sorry yeah Logan um with just not knowing the price of milk and like not knowing what it's like to not be rich right. and not having that understanding um i think with all of his kids he, he's kind of pushed on that a little bit and tom is the one who i mean obviously like doesn't come from nothing, but um, wasn't in this stratosphere before. Right. So he's the only one with a little more real-life experience, and I'm curious if that'll come up at all or if he just hates him so much that it just won't. Sure. <laughs>
1: um, I have a few other quotes I want to read. Um, yes. There's a lot from last week's episode. I don't remember what that's titled, but... Um, it's the Boar on, the, the, floor bore on episode, the Floor episode? The Boar on the Floor episode, yeah.
0: Yeah, So. I'll eat your sausage, Tom. Right, that one was
1: great. <laughs> um, I think the best moment of that episode was when it's Carl, Jerry, and Tom, and they're all trying to get someone else to bring (laughs) up the idea that buying PGM is a bad idea, and they're all like kind of like trying to be sweet and give each other compliments as a way of trying to manipulate the other person, and before it kind of just. Uh, devolves into shit where they all real like, like when Tom is like, "We know what we're all doing here," you know. He gets he gets upset, and uh, Jerry says, "That's where heroes are born, Tom, on the battlefield." And then Tom go- replies, yes. "It's also commonly where they're killed." Jerry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that whole sequence is just masterful writing, masterful writing and acting. And then there's another great Tom line from that s- episode when they're out hunting and he goes, Europe, nice bit of war torn, spooky, anti-Semitic, vampirey, authoritarian Europe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I
1: love Tom being the person to like call out the creepiness of the place that they're actually in, the the place that they're going on a retreat to.
0: (laughs) I feel like Tom is that Tom in this show. Tom is the person who will call out, um, a lot of the, just the weirdness that's going on. Yeah. But I also think Greg does a good job of that too. A lot of places of just like how uncomfortable he is working for, um I forget what it's called, whatever the news network is. Yeah. Um, but just some what? of the very weird things that happen that seem normal to everybody else. Greg, <laughs> Greg and Tom are the ones who call. Them See, out.
1: Greg will call out things that he has deep moral issues with. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he yes. was like, Oh no, th- I know that this is wrong. Um, but Tom will call out things like the atmosphere. You know. Yes. Um, yes like Greg true. would never have the balls to like insult the way a place feels.
0: No. Um, he yeah. would
1: like pretend that he likes it. You know what I mean? He mm-hmm. would he would put on a brave face. Um, <laughs> whereas Tom doesn't have the principles to call out actual wrongdoing. Right. Um. Where Greg actually does which is why they make a great pair. Um. And then. The last quote that I have uh, is from this current episode, the most recent episode, and it's not from any of the main characters at all. It's from the guy that Roman meets at management training. Yes,
0: that was one of my quotes too from Brian. Because it's so good. (laughs) He just it's when when he introduces him when he's like it's like all right what's your deal and instead of like telling him his name he just immediately goes. I'm an enigma. You can't pigeonhole me. I'm there, and then I'm gone. I'm intelligently promiscuous, but culturally conservative. I work hard, but I do not play hard. I play easy. Why would you play hard?
1: It's so good. Oh, <laughs> uh, and it's like, I've met those guys. Like, I haven't met yeah. any of the Roys. I don't run in those circles. Yep. Yep. But I've met guys <laughs> like that who... Think so highly of themselves and mm-hmm. have a manifesto, and <laughs> that they have at the ready to whatever. Yeah, the the yeah. phrase "I'm intellectually promiscuous but culturally yeah, it's conservative. conservative." It's like <laughs> that could mean so many things. <laughs> it
0: could, oh man! <laughs> and the fact that you've like thought through enough to like come up with that line right. is just hilarious. Yeah, you
1: like... <laughs> took the time. He he probably wrote it down on a card. I know. <laughs>
0: I also love um, Con- Connor's um, just completely unsure about what's happening with the funeral that he's at yeah. in this last episode. Um, when he's just he's just like uh, when he's telling Shiv, I, I don't remember the quote, but when he's just telling Shiv that his name isn't Mo, that oh, he's telling his Willa, it's Lester. Or sorry, yeah, Willa, Willa, um, yeah, that his name isn't Mo, it's 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 Lester. What a reveal! Oh, Mo Lester, Moe Lester, and that it's. Oh, man, And this whole time you just keep hearing "mo, mo," and then it's just and then he and then he writes down as the start of his speech is, "Lester touched us all." yeah, and
1: <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, Connor had some really great lines in one of the episodes, um, where, you know, Shiv says something like, um, "Do you know what they do to the rich in prison?" And he, goes, and he says something to the effect of, "Oh they release them early to mitigate litigation." yeah.
0: <laughs> And his quote just about, like, looking down on the elite from up in his penthouse <laughs> <Looking> or whatever. Looking <laughs> down on
1: the elite. That was, that was really good. And then also, like, um, Shiv says, like, dad's going to come after you. And he goes, well, he has to get in line after the Bezos and the Clintons. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> looking down on the elite is really priceless, though. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I think he does a good job of, like, showing off his wealth the most. Like, yeah. Most, like... Everybody else treats the rich things as if they're nothing. Right. But he treats them as if they're, like, so sophisticated and so interesting. Like, hyper-decanting his wine in a blender. Right. Like, stuff like that where he's just like, oh, doesn't everyone do this? Yeah. Oh, it's so great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's he's such a delight. Um, I, I'm very curious what's going to happen with him in his presidential run. I think I think it would be funny for him to win, and it would make a point about our society. But I also don't think from a storytelling perspective... How do you handle if one of the Roys is the president of the United States? You know what I mean? Like, that takes the story in a completely different path, on a completely different path. Like, and at some point, if the Roys have literally all the power in the world, then it's not an interesting story
0: agree. So I think it'll be more of him failing up as he gets to the primaries and stuff like that. Sure. And then him being forced to pull out for some right. reason.
1: I think that's um, the best case scenario is, yeah. yeah. Failing up. And then, um, yeah, there's, there's something that makes it, that where it all comes crumbling down. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, can we talk about, um, I, I want to save Roman for last because Roman is my favorite okay. character. Um, but I feel like we've talked about Shiv, we talked about Connor. With Kendall, I think in the end of this week's episode was one of the most chilling moments of the whole season.
0: It's his first moment of true, like, honesty and openness um, and vulner- vulnerability to anyone other than his father.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're talking about the conversation with Shiv. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, that
1: was definitely a heartbreaking moment that was very meaningful to me because... So much of the show is these siblings like shit talking each other in playful ways, but sometimes really vicious ways or mm-hmm. betraying each other and power playing against each other. But then every once in a while you get these moments of tenderness. Um, I loved the scene in the, fi- in um, last season towards the end where the three of them meet at the boat, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. so wonderful. And um, to see that, it's like you y'all are siblings. You should love each other. And to see like this moment where Shiv finally gets like, oh, there's something really wrong, not just like our normal level of fucked up and wrong. Yeah, yeah. It, that that was great to great to watch and witness. Um, the moment that I was actually talking about though, Lucas, is at the very end when Uh-oh. throughout the episode we've seen, yeah. and and I think even in previous episodes we've seen um, Kendall go up to the roof of the building. He seems to do, make some phone calls up there, do thinking up there. We see him looking out over the edge and you, and you wonder like he's in a really bad place. Is this a move he's considering? And, um, at the very end of this week's episode, he goes up to the top of the building and sees that safety glass has been erected. What that tells us is that he's being watched you know that and 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 it and it makes him aware like oh my moves are being watched even the moments when i think i'm being alone i've snuck away and there's no one on this roof with me people know people know what i'm doing and we and we get a sense of that earlier in the episode where jerry kind of reveals that they know that he's been shoplifting yeah um and we hear that it's been happening more often than just the one time we saw Um, so we know that that's kind of the case, but then to really be confronted with how much of the case it is and that he's not only trapped by this knowledge that his dad has of him, of his like worst act and this kind of blackmail that his dad has over him, but he's also very physically trapped that not even suicide is an option for escape um right yeah it, it it's getting to a very very dark i mean this show has always been dark but it's getting to a very <laughs> dark place
0: i think they've just played this out so beautifully with his arc um of just kind of where he's at this season after his his huge fall last season yeah um and just that he is good at his job like you get to see him i'm
1: loving seeing him be good at his job this season
0: yeah yeah, because um, last season was mostly just about him messing things up because he was on drugs and stuff like that. And he's still on drugs, but he's now at a place where he doesn't care about anything other than just going to work and doing his job, and he's doing it. Yeah,
1: you know, last season, I don't even think it was the drugs that was messing him up, because through, like, half of the season, he was sober. Um,
0: uh, yeah, I guess that's true. But
1: I feel like what messed him up is, you know, like, he's trying so hard to win it all, you know? And and he's fighting against his father, who is like an incredibly, you know, the the hardest person in the world for him to fight against. And so like his emotions and his panic was running high. Um and this season, I feel like he's so much more effective because ultimately he doesn't have to make any decisions. The 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 line of his season is my dad told me to. My dad's plan was yep. better, you know. And he is he somewhat, in, in, in the business sense, he is thriving um, by being <laughs> submissive. You know? Yep. All he has to do yep. is follow orders. And when he doesn't have to make the decisions and be the one that people turns to, he does really, really well. Now, the cost of that is that emotionally, he's dying inside. And he's a <laughs> shell of a human being. Um, but I'm loving seeing the dynamic between him and Logan. The shot in Boar on the floor where Logan is leaning against the back of his chair and his head yep. is right above kennel's head the what that's my favorite image from the season so far what that conveys it conveys the power Logan has over him, but also the intimacy that they have with each other that they're both comfortable, yeah. like none of them are un- neither of them are unnerved being that close with each other. Um, they become... You know, Logan has become increasingly concerned about Kendall. Um, and whether it's concerned in a fatherly way or in a business asset way, who can tell? But we always see that, you know, Logan wants to make sure that Kendall is is close by at all times. Um, I'm loving... And, and I really... I thought that some of the best examples of this was in the Valter episode where yes. Kendall pulls off this coup of Walter in a really kind of satisfying way. Also horrible way, you know, because all those people <laughs> lost their jobs. But for someone who likes to see a plan pulled off, it was incredibly satisfying and he just killed it. And it's just like once he didn't have to think anymore, he can just go into that robot vicious mode that is thrilling yeah. to watch okay let's i want to finish off
0: let's talk about with yeah roman. <laughs> roman 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 i
1: love roman roman's my favorite character he's truly the funniest he um is whiny he's uh, charismatic i love when in the vaulter episode kendall is like trying to talk to Lawrence and not getting anywhere and Lawrence and Roman have just like a great rapport and Roman like takes yeah. staffers out for beers and he's like we will like to be <laughs> yeah. around Roman
0: and he gets it like it works for him like he gets information that way right. and I love when it doesn't work for him like in the boar on the floor episode where yeah. he tries to reach out to a member of the Pierce family and they're like no we're not doing this.
1: yeah
0: um because that is his move right. always he is just the personal social. connection
1: right he, he's yep. a social person and he uses social connections to get ahead um yeah and and he's struggling this season because yeah kendall is doing really well and logan obviously like has this deep trust in kendall um that he absolutely doesn't have in roman and roman is kind of continuing to prove himself to be a yeah. fool
0: and he doesn't want to do the work to actually be good at his job right because <laughs> he is truly just interested in just you know, coasting and relaxing, but he also wants the power. Right. So he d- so it's a it's a weird, um, weird situation there. And then obviously his relationship with his girlfriend, um, Tabitha. Tabitha. That's right. That was always interesting from season one. Um, and I am glad they're kind of expanding on that a little bit because I think she's great. But just the um the nature of their relationship is very weird because they don't like they do really like each other. Um, there is no sexual relationship at all
1: between them. So Roman's sexual identity or or, um, issues that have been kind of, it's kind of been like lightly hinted at throughout season one and then a little bit Mm -hmm. more um, visible in season two. So in season one, we see that he like has a girlfriend. Um, Something really interesting I want to point out about that is that um, I I recently rewatched season one and- In the pilot episode, I'm pretty sure he had, she was supposed to be his wife and they had kids together. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Because he's wearing a ring and she's at like a family dinner and there's like a (laughs) kid around. Um, And then I think they changed course after the pilot was shot and decided they didn't want him to be also married. So they turned her into like a girlfriend and that kid was still around. So it's kind of maybe implied, like maybe that's her kid. Like maybe he's dating a single mom. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very unclear. Um, but so he has this girlfriend and they have this like weird moment with a waiter where he makes the waiter take her phone number and like he, they, they have this sort of like sexual play with the phone Mm -hmm. and, and, but, but it's not actual like sex. Um, and so, and so you re- you get that there's, like, sexual energy between the two of them, but he's not having sex with her. And, again, it's also kind of... Like, that's, I think, our first hint of, like, he's being a little bit humiliated in that moment. Like, someone is going after his girlfriend, and he's playing along with that. Um, yeah. And then she accuses him of, like, we haven't had sex in over a year or something to that extent. Um, and then he starts dating Tabitha, and at the end... Tabitha makes it clear like well we haven't had sex yet and he kind of brushes that off as like something that you know doesn't really matter Um, because he even offers to like marry her at at the end of season one um yeah (laughs) and so there's been a lot of questions about like is Roman gay um and I never got the sense like I mean he very well could be interested in in men um I would be thrilled with that but it, it, to me, it wasn't a sense of, like, he didn't like women as much as it was there was something going on with him, you know? Right, um, right. Oh, and there's also in season one, he, like, masturbates against the window, you know what I mean? Um, so mm-hmm. that was also a clue for me that it's it's not like he can't perform, you know what I mean? Like, uh, there, there's not, like, a physical something holding him back. So this season, it's, yeah, it, it's more um, explicit. Uh, Tabitha's kind of calling him out for it. And I love that we finally get like the release in this most recent episode where he tries to have phone sex with Tabitha and finds it awkward and unappealing <laughs> when she has tries to have like very typical um, phone sex. And immediately he calls Jerry, um, who has be- been his confidant and his he, the person he goes to whenever he's. Wants to whine, you know? Um,
0: yeah. I would say he's used her as a maternal figure. Totally. For there's, sure. There's in the past.
1: a bit of maternal figure, but there's also a flirtatious energy. There has been, even. Oh, for sure. Um, for sure. From the very first episode that Jerry appeared. And it results in this, like, masturbatory, demeaning phone call that I found right. riveting. I was waiting
0: for this to happen. I d- like, I think they've done a really good job of, like, drawing this out long enough to where this makes a lot of sense and I'm super curious to see where this goes in the future
1: I'm very curious how much we get and how quickly you know what I mean like is this something that in the very next episode we gets addressed or is this something that like oh well that happened and now you know we won't (laughs) talk about it for another four episodes because I could see it going either way I could see both Jerry and Roman being like we're not going to talk about that we both know what that was um no need to discuss it a- until it rears its head later on <laughs> in the season.
0: Yeah. Um everything will rear its head eventually, so. Sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I I I'm I'm into it. I'm into their dynamic in every scenario. I'm loving it. Like I said, every it gets better every episode. I um do we know how many episodes this season has
0: so the first season had 10 episodes the second season has nine episodes on the slate right okay. now that's what it looks like got it um to me this doesn't seem like a a show that can last forever this doesn't seem like a seven season uh situation i <laughs> i see it like maybe three seasons really? um three or four just because i don't see this being sustainable like this kind of drama and this kind of tension being sustainable for a you know a long period of time yeah I just, I just love shows where they can get in and get out and tell the story they want to tell without trying to draw it on. so sure. the,
1: You know, the the show that I'm thinking of, I feel like this show gets compared to Game of Thrones a lot because of, again, the power plays, but I really consider it, keep thinking of Mad Men, um, mostly because of the writing, I think. The writing is so clever and I feel like there's so many hmm. lines in Mad Men that I feel like each week you'd be like, oh, this line and then this line, um. And Mad Men went on for quite a while. And so I, I just, I wonder, yeah, um, how it will evolve. Yep.
0: All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us. Um, you can hear us talking more about succession on Twitter at SandraWork when we find you this week.
1: All of my social media handles are at Sandra SandraOmstetz. My last name is spelled A M S T U T Z.
0: You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. Talk to you later.
1: Bye bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away.
0: I'll see you soon, okay?
1: That's it. Go home. Yeah.
0: Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people.